man, we miss being together, but how cool is it that we're able to do this together online? Let's just start out praying together. God, we thank you so much that you are good, Lord, and that you're with us, God. We just celebrate your sovereignty, your power today. We thank you so much, God, that we are able to use technology to still be the church. We are still the church, God. Thank you that though we may be all spread out, we're still your people. We're still brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I think also for all those that are tuning in that maybe normally wouldn't have even come to church, but they're here checking it out today, and I pray you'll do something special in each of our lives. So encourage our hearts today and be with us in a special way. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, I'm excited today to be wrapping up our Disappointed series. Uh, When my wife was just a little kid, there was one Christmas where her dad got her and her brothers together and brought them over to the den. And the den had a big sheet all across it. It was like quarantined off. No one was allowed into the den until Christmas because there was a Christmas surprise back there. And you can imagine how excited the kids were. You can imagine them wondering what was back there, right? And so they start to think, they're wondering if it's like a Barbie dream house for Kelly and hockey equipment for the boys, or if it's new bikes for everybody, or is it a pony? Could there be a pony in the den? What was Will it eat? How will it go to the bathroom? And who's going to clean it up, right? What is in the den? Guys, they sat outside every week and they were wondering, dreaming, imagining, fasting, praying about when the sheet would come down and they'd be able to see what was back there. And so Christmas morning finally came and they all ran over to the den and the sheet came down and they went running in and there was, there was no hockey equipment or a dream house. There was no bikes and there was no pony. Pastor Pavone, my father-in-law, had bought his kids a grandfather clock. They were so disappointed. They couldn't fathom the letdown. You can imagine that when we gather as a family, this story is told all the time because of the incredible disappointment that it led to. Guys, sometimes in life, we're expecting one thing, we get a very different thing, don't we? Sometimes in life, we're really disappointed. And we've been talking about in this series about how disappointment has all kinds of relatives, right? Despair discouragement, depression, and even right now in what's going on in our world, fear is definitely a relative of disappointment at this time. And I want to let you know as we've been doing this whole series, if you wrestle with this stuff, man, you are in good company. There was a guy named Elijah in the scriptures. And Elijah was like a man of God. I mean, this guy did amazing things. In fact, in 1 Kings 18, you can read about how Elijah basically defeated the enemies of God, like Avenger style. It's a fascinating story. But you know what happens in the next part of Elijah's story is this evil queen called Jezebel finds out what he had been up to and actually vows to kill Elijah. And Elijah becomes incredibly depressed. And look how he responds in 1 Kings 19.3. It says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So you can imagine the disappointment and discouragement, the despair and the fear. I mean, think about it. One moment, this guy is calling down fire from heaven, and the very next, he's asking God to kill him. And so the Bible's greatest heroes have wrestled with the same disappointment that you and I have wrestled with. So the question, of course, that we've been answering in this series is what do we do when we're disappointed? 
Well, for starters, we don't give up. We don't decide God is not present. We don't decide he is not powerful. We don't start to lower our expectations of God. One of our themes this year is still bold in asking, right? Let me run that theme, uh, that theme by you one more time. Bold in asking, strong in the Lord, urgently shining, love is the glue. Man, how powerful is it if you think about it? That we began this year talking about those four things. Bold in asking. We didn't know what was coming, right? Strong in the Lord. We had no clue how strong in Jesus we'd have to be to get through this season. Urgently shining. The world is hurting. The world is broken. What an opportunity we have. And love is the glue. Even through computer screens, guys, love is still the glue. And so please be encouraged by that. But I want to let you guys know we're not going to lower our expectations when it comes to the bold in asking. In this series, what we're learning to say instead is, yes, I'm disappointed, but. Yes, I've been through this, but. Yes, I'm hurt. Yes, I'm fearful. Yes, I'm despairing, but Jesus has done some incredible things. And so often, we're focused on what we don't have that we miss out on what we do have and what what God does, does and has given to us. And so here are some of the things we've been celebrating in this series. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. I don't care where you are right now. I want you to say that out loud. Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. The next week, we talked about this. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Can we say that out loud again in your living room, in your PJs? I don't even care. You could be spilling your coffee and your Captain Crunch down on your shirt while you say it. Let's do this, all right? We are still the church. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. And then last week, we saw this. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save us. Let's say that together. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save us. Now today I want us to take one more step, right? We're going to wrap up Romans 8 today and this disappointment series. I want us to take one more step. And here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the truth that sometimes when we are disappointed, we begin to believe this lie. And the lie is this, that God does not love us. That somehow the disappointing circumstances in our lives are proof that we have somehow lost the love of God. We, we decide that disappointment equals denial of love. So when we find ourselves in trouble or hardship or persecution or in need of provision or danger, we become disappointed in God and we believe something. We say, God, why don't you love me? How did I lose it? Why did I lose it? What did I do? Where are you in the midst of this? I got to tell you something. I told our team, all eight of us here, uh, before we started today, that I wrote this message before this all happened. Like God knew what we needed to hear today, guys. He knew that trouble was coming. He knew that hardship was coming. He knew we'd be in need of provision. He knew we'd be in danger. And here we are talking about this in the midst of this. And and often those things make us feel like God just doesn't love us. Maybe it's even worse for you. Maybe you find yourself in a spot where you're facing death of some kind. Maybe you, a loved one. Maybe you've walked through that valley already. You lost somebody and you're facing that. You're saying, this has to be the proof that Jesus doesn't love me. Or maybe you're scared that the devil's going to win. Somehow, the devil's going to wrestle you away from God's love and the pain you're experiencing is the proof. Or maybe you're worried that some event is going to do it, right? Some event, it might be today, it might be 10 years from now, but some event is going to wrestle you out of the arms of God, your Savior. Have you ever sat and imagined what it would be like to have to endure something that was really difficult? Have you ever sat and just kind of said, you know, I don't know if my faith could make it through this or that. And you're like, Doug, I had it, but now I have. Thanks so much for that. I really needed that in the middle of a pandemic, right? No, the truth is we sometimes watch other people go through really difficult things and we say, man, it's amazing to me that their faith made it through, but I don't know if my faith could make it through that. 
And we began to wonder if maybe that event, that future event, is going to drive us away. And maybe you're saying, Doug, this isn't future, this is right now. I'm wondering if this event is going to drive me away from God. I am isolated, I am at home, some of you are sick, some of you have lost a job, some of you are dreading school for the rest of the semester like this. And you're like, is this it? Is, like, is this what's going to break me and God apart? I, I think my job today is to convince you otherwise. Maybe you're worried about this distance that's growing between you and God. You felt it for a while. Maybe it was even before all this happened, but this is just not helping. And then you feel this distance, this space growing between you and God. Or maybe you're worried about you. You may be convinced that God will never give up on you, but you're not quite so sure you won't give up on him. So what do we do when we're disappointed, despairing, fearful? What do we do? You see, here's what often happens when we become disappointed in a time like this, is we build a wall between us and God. It might not even be like a full wall. Like maybe you didn't take out all the plywood and all the sheetrock and and spackle that thing and paint it all up, and it's like this beautiful wall between you and God completely separating you and him. Maybe it's like a half wall, you know? Or maybe it's like a screen door. Like like you could still see through, you could still kind of see God, he could still see you in your mind, but there's something still between you. I think sometimes it's so easy to kind of build those walls when we get disappointed. Or maybe you're assuming a few things. You're assuming that God's angry with you. Maybe you're assuming he has finally been disappointed in you and he's given up on you. I mean, after all, you and I are imperfect, so we do the wrong thing. Maybe you're wondering if he's ever even been there in the first place. Guys, my job today, my job and our team's job in this little, in this property that God's given us that's streaming here from this location with the eight of us, you know what our job is today through the songs we sing, through my message, through the prayers prayed is this, to convince you that God still loves you. That your disappointment, listen to me, is not proof that God doesn't love you. Let's say that together. Your disappointment is not proof God doesn't love you. It's my job today to help you be convinced of that. You see, here's the deal. When we bought this property, we got here and there were some heating and air conditioning units, but we had no thermostats in this place. And so we never knew really how hot or cold it was. So we spared no expense and we got a couple of 599 thermometers from Amazon and we put them throughout the property. And I was trying to be really gracious and selfless. So I would take a thermometer, they're about this big, and I put it on the different people's desks so they would know what's going on. Somehow they all ended up back on my desk. And they ended up three feet from each other. And so I sit there and I look at the thermometers and try to see where we're at. But the funny thing is, though the thermometers are three feet away from each other, they read differently. The one on the right side of my desk reads 74.1 degrees when I was writing this message. It was a little toasty that day. We had to heat up a little too high. But on the left side of my desk, it was reading 73.8. So what's wrong here? Guys, listen. The thermometer was misreading what was actually going on. And I got to tell you guys something today. If you are believing that the trouble or the hardship, facing death, persecution, in need, danger, if you're believing that any of this separates you from the love of God, you are misreading what's going on. And it's my job today, and the word of God really, it's God's job today, thankfully, to convince you otherwise. And so today we're going to get our eyes back on the truth. That's what we've been doing this whole series getting our eyes back on the truth. And this is incredibly powerful because when our eyes are back on the truth, suddenly these things don't own us anymore. Disappointment and despair and fear don't own us anymore. Suddenly, we're not only not being owned by those things, but we are empowered to have a love and a joy and a peace we have no business having. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for watching. There's a very good chance tons of you guys are watching online today that have zero relationship with God, or maybe you once did, but you, something happened, maybe you got disappointed. Today, 
I want to let you know I get it. I am a human being. I am imperfect like you. I feel the feelings you feel. Elijah felt the feelings you feel. And we're going to work through it today. And we're going to work through it today, all right? And so here's where we are. Last week we highlighted Jesus' death in our place. Paul reminded us that God didn't even spare his own son to rescue you and me. And then his son rose back from the dead. And what he tells us today helps us take another step toward Jesus, toward freedom from discouragement and depression. And here's what I said in week one of this series. I said that the stuff Paul had his eyes on was powerful enough to obliterate disappointment in his life and has the same power for you and me. So let's jump into it. Romans 8 verse 35 says this. Paul asked this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And this is where the struggle begins, right? When life disappoints, we begin to think that somehow we are separated from the love of God. And so he starts right out here. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We think lots of stuff can separate us, right? We think maybe that things like trouble could separate us. You guys are going, man, I I just find myself in loads of trouble right now. Maybe you're thinking, you know, my business is struggling. I got this rival and their business is still open. And it just feels like I have this rivalry going on. God, you're talking to God, Lord, I've been in this rivalry for years. I'm like yours. I'm your child. That person, man, they're a mess. You know, I've heard some rumors, Lord, about that person. Lord, I heard this one day that there was this snow leopard attacking that guy's grandma. He didn't even try to stop it, Lord. I didn't even know we had snow leopards in this part of the country, Lord. But that's what I heard happen over there. And so I can't imagine why you're not defending me and you're allowing their business to thrive, right? Trouble, right? Or maybe some of you guys find yourself in a season of hardship. You're saying, God, this hardship I'm enduring is killing me. You're a student, right? Going, seriously, school online right now, right? And I got that professor. I got to watch that professor through Zoom right now. Like, Lord, I heard that he was there when the snow leopard attack took place. He didn't try to stop it either, God. You're going to seriously let this happen? This is the hardship I'm facing right now. Or maybe you're like, Doug, this virus is horrible. What a hardship. Nobody saw this coming in 2020, right? Nobody saw this coming. Or maybe persecution. Some of you guys, I mean, hey, let's, let's start just for real and say it's nothing like it is in other areas of the world. But, but hey, man, sometimes following Jesus costs us stuff, doesn't it? Some of us have lost some opportunities maybe. Or maybe we've even gotten made fun of. I mean, Lord, send the snow leopards at those people, right? Like, what's going on here? And so we feel this deep disappointment and discouragement, and we are convinced that things like this are why God must not love us anymore. Or maybe your family's in need right now. I got several texts and emails this week from friends, from from you, from some of you that lost your jobs or your hours got cut in half. And you're like, I'm in great need right now. And, And I just can't imagine God is still loving me in the midst of this. And your family needs some help. Or maybe there's a danger. I mean, we got doctors, policemen, we got nurses, we got EMT workers. Like everybody just out there in harm's way right now. And you're like, Lord, why are you allowing this pandemic right now? Or maybe even death. Lord, I'm, I'm facing death, or someone I love's facing death, or we walk through that valley and I miss them. Like, this must be the proof God doesn't love me. Guys, if that is what you're feeling today, I need you to see something. It goes on. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So he asked this question that we just read, but then he lists everything I just brought up. Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then verse 37, all I want you to see is one word right now. No. No. God, don't these things separate from me, from you, the the trouble and the hardship and the pain, the persecution, don't they? Aren't they the proof 
Isn't the, the provision that I need, isn't it the proof that I'm separated from your love somehow? Paul just goes, no. I know that's a weird place to stop, but I needed you to see that those things were never going to separate you and I from his love. And we go, how's that true? Well, look what it says next in Romans 8, 37, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I say that a lot in, in the chapter that we're in because it's got so many great verses. But he says this, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Everybody say more than conquerors. Well done. Thank you, all eight of you. That was really well done. Through him who loved us, who loved us, right? Now, here's the deal. We have to ask a question first. Why does it say loved us past tense? You see how it says more than conquerors through him who loved us. Doesn't he still love us? Like maybe, is this the proof he doesn't love us anymore? He once loved mankind, he doesn't anymore. Why does it say loved us past tense? I will tell you why. Because I think Paul is trying to take us back to a moment in history. The moment in history we looked at last week when love proved itself to us. When the God of love proved once and for all that yes, the answer is I love you. And it was when Jesus got on the cross. I think that's why it's past tense. And he's gonna present tense tell us again in just a minute, he still loves us, but right now he's got us looking back in the past tense saying, I will tell you about this event that proves that Jesus loves us. And it's when Jesus got on that cross, allowed his body to be torn apart brutally, and then he rose back from the dead. You see, guys, as I said last week, our faith often hinges on whether or not God answered our most recent prayer request. And Paul is saying, oh, no, no, no. You're going to live a miserable life if that's what you're banking your relationship with God on. No, no, no. You have to base it on this event. Your faith hinges on Jesus' death and resurrection for you and me. And Paul says this. I love it. He says, through this one who loved us so much, we become more than conquerors. All right, I need you to check out a word here. It's a little bit hard to pronounce. I'm going to have Pat put it up on the screen for you guys right now. There's the word. This is the Greek word for this phrase of conqueror or more than conqueror. And we're going to pronounce this together. Here's how you pronounce it. Hupernikumen. Everybody say, hupernikumen. Oh, nobody even here in the studio said it. That was great, guys. Let's try one more time. Hupernikumen. There it is. I know, it's a little challenging, right? All right, here's the deal. This means hyper conqueror that's what this greek phrase means so we get it in our bibles it says more than conquerors but the actual word means hyper conqueror have you ever seen a kid on a a sugar rush a few years ago i was on vacation with my family and my my youngest nephew had i mean all our kids honestly were eating all this cookies and candies don't kill me cal for telling everybody in the world that but everybody's eating bad on vacation and so i my youngest nephew was literally bouncing off walls Like literally would hit it, fall on the floor, do a flip, run into another wall over there, do another flip. He then walked out onto the deck at this vacation place we were spending time at, began flicking frogs off the deck to their death. This kid was hypernukumen, however you pronounce it. I messed it up there myself. This kid was hyper. And Paul is telling us, guys, you guys are not just like normal conquerors. When you are in on this love of Jesus thing, no, you are hyper conquerors right? You are more than conquerors. And this is where we go, Doug, I don't feel like a hyper conqueror. Can I be real with you? I woke up, my alarm went off today. I slept horrible last night. I got loved ones in the hospital. I'm thinking about lots of you guys. I want to make sure this all goes well today. I hardly slept last night. Alarm goes off today. And I did not wake up and go hyper conqueror. I am ready. I woke up and said, oh man, I don't know if I got this day in me today. Because we don't feel that all the time, right? And so what is it that Paul has his eye on here. we got to remember, we are only hyper-conquerors through him who loved us. 
You and I on our own are in trouble. But there is a God whose love can sustain and empower us to conquer these things. And so here's the truth I need you to cling on to, all right? I need you to, to hold on to this today, is that the trouble and the hardship and all the things we listed today, the things you woke up to, I was asleep in my bed all last night thinking to myself, this is a dream, right? Like, like what we're going through is a dream. Like, like all the stuff we woke up to today, it doesn't have the power to own us or conquer us. It doesn't have the power. It only does when we let it or we believe that it does. The truth is, there's something so much bigger. And you know what it is? Life disappoints, but heaven awaits. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save you and me. When we begin to see like Paul saw, who had more trouble than all of us combined, we begin to realize this love of our Savior that we are not separated from has actually the power to make us more than conquerors, hyper-conquerors. But you're going, Doug, I have some fears, though, about the future. I have some fears about what's still to come. I mean, imagine we're going through this now. What, what else can I come up with in my mind? What else can I catastrophize about what may happen in the future? And like I said, some of us are, are facing death in one way or another. And we're scared about our lives or someone we love. Some of us are scared that the devil will win. He'll finally pry us away, right? Some of us are, are worried about that event. I actually asked a friend a few weeks ago. I said, hey, how's everything going? This is before all this broke out. And he goes, I'm doing pretty good, almost too good. Like I'm waiting for what that next thing is going to be that's going to cause a problem in my life. And I just wonder if sometimes we almost imagine disappointment is just around the corner, you know? I actually texted him when the virus broke out and said, bro, I blame you because you said everything was too good and now this happened. But this is how we live sometimes. We live in fear of what might be around that very next corner. Or maybe we're nervous that this distance or this space between us and God is going to grow. Or maybe, like I said earlier, you're worried about you. You know God will never give up on you. But your word, you might just give up on God. Can I show you something? Paul speaks to all these. We're going to fly through a bunch here. Romans 8, 38 starts like this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life. Are you facing death right now? Somebody you love? Paul says he's convinced that neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Are you fearing that the devil's going to win somehow? He finally figured out how to steal you and I away from God's love? Neither the present nor the future. Are you fearing some event in the future that's still to come? Is there disappointment around the corner every time you open your eyes? Are you fearing something that might come at you? He says, nor any powers. I love that this is nice and broad because Paul is really saying here, anything you got, like anything you want to throw at us, is that able to separate us from the love? Nor any height nor depth. Are you worried about a space growing between you and God? A distance. Paul says, neither height nor depth. And then I love this. Let's just sum it all up in this. Nor anything else in all creation. He almost knows that we're going to argue with him, right? He almost knows that you and I are going to come and say, Paul, wait, wait, wait. I found this one thing you didn't mention in Romans 8, though. And I'm pretty sure that's what could separate me from the love of Jesus. So Paul just goes, okay, I know you're going to do that. So let me just throw everything in all creation, which, by the way, do you know who that includes? It includes you, right? It includes you. Which means, if you're worried today that you know God will never give up on you, but you might give up on him, Paul just told us anything in all creation, you included, cannot separate you, it says in this next part, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, this is the lens that Paul views all of life through, and it's why he doesn't become a slave to disappointment and fear. This is the lens he's able to say, I know that there was an event. 
I know that there was a savior who got on a cross and that proves to me his love and then he rose back from the dead and that makes me more than a conqueror, a hyper conqueror and I am convinced that not one thing that anything or anybody could throw at me could ever separate me from this love. Guys, think about it. Trouble is going to come at all of us. Hardship is going to come at all of us. And listen, every single one of us is going to face death at one time or another. And none of those things change the fact that Jesus got on a cross for you and me. That's got to always be what grounds us. That's got to always be the litmus test for if God is for us or against us, a Savior got on a cross. I want to say this. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're going, man, I'm a little inspired today, Doug. Thank you for the encouragement. But I don't believe Jesus rose back from the dead. Please reach out to me. Please text me, email me, call me, Facebook, Instagram, whatever we got to do. Can we connect? Also, head to our website. I'm going to have Steph put the link in the comments right now on our stream. Head to livingwordli.org. And on our podcast page, you will find evidence series. And under that is one message we did about 45 minutes with a whole bunch of info on why we believe Jesus rose back from the dead. And if that's not enough for you, there are 10 parts to that. Also, you can find this on our app. But we want to make sure you guys know Jesus is actually alive. And so Paul says, I'm going to cling to this event. I'm going to cling to this one thing that trouble and death itself cannot change. And that is the fact Jesus got on a cross and he died and he rose back from the dead. And that's the proof I need that I am loved. I want to share with you guys our bottom line. I want you to say it with me after I say it, okay? Here's what I hope you are getting today. Here's what I hope will transform you and me and we'll cling to. Life disappoints but nothing can separate you from God's love. That's the reality. We're not pretending life doesn't disappoint. We're not pretending life is easy. It is hard, guys. We're seeing that more than ever right now. But nothing can separate you from God's love. Anything you throw at him, anything you come up with, trouble, hardship, persecution, need of provision, danger, facing death, all the forces of hell, a devastating event around the corner, all the height and depths in the world, and even you at your worst cannot separate you from God's love. Guys, the situations of disappointment and despair that you thought were the proof that God doesn't love you, you're simply misreading it. You're like that thermometer on my desk. You're you're not seeing it for what it is. No today, because my job today and the word of God's job today is to encourage you, you are loved. And hear this, and I want you to say this with me in just a minute. God already proved his love for you on the cross. Can we say that together? God already proved his love for you on the cross. And that's what we cling to. So let me ask you a question. Have you believed the lie? Have you believed the lie that some disappointment or despair or horrible event in your life is the final proof that God doesn't love you. Have you believed the lie that this right here, what our whole world is going through, how we're all on lockdown? Have you believed the lie that this must be the proof that God has just given up on mankind? I want you to know today, you are loved. Have you built up a half door or even a screen door between you and God? Have you allowed that to be there? Because my prayers today, that thing will come barreling down. My son Cade, when he was about uh, maybe five, six years old, maybe a little older, maybe more like eight. And my younger kids were like six and four. We were at a birthday party. And we were at this really nice house. And it was a birthday party for my brother-in-law. And you're like, you know those houses you got kids who are eight, six, and four, and you're just walking through. It's so nice. And I'm just like saying, you know, don't break anything. Don't break anything. Break, break anything. And I'm saying that to myself. And then I got to tell the kids too. And so Cade's outside playing football. And he's out there, and he's playing until it comes dark out. And my son Cade, when he was eight, he never walked anywhere. He ran 
everywhere he went. So it got dark out. He decided to come inside. And so he comes running into this really nice house. What he doesn't realize is there's a screen door and it's shut. And he comes barreling through this thing. He did not rip through it. He literally knocked the door off the frame. It came flying into the house and he came tumbling in after. Everybody at the nice party put down their caviar and jumped up. And we all looked at Cade laying on the floor. Thankfully, he was fine. But man, that door had seen better days. Why do I tell you that? Because here's my prayer. My prayer is that the word of God today will come at you and it will barrel through any door you have built between you and God. It will come roaring through that place in your heart that you have decided to build a wall or allow some disappointment or anger to build up in your heart and it will just knock it down. The love of God pursuing you with such force that nothing could stand in the way. Guys, I want to sum up the series. Here's where we've been for a month and how beautiful it is that God sovereignly led us here. He gave us two weeks before it happened and two weeks after it happened to talk about how disappointing and painful life can be. But here we are and I want you to remember and let's say these together. I'll say it, you say it. Life disappoints but heaven awaits. Let's say it together. Life disappoints but heaven awaits. Guys, we got to cling to that. That is truth and it is our hope. Week two, life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Let's say it together. Life disappoints, but God works all things for good. Everything, all of it, no asterisk, no fine print. Week three, life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save you. Say that with me. Life disappoints, but Jesus died and rose again to save you. And then today we saw life disappoints, but nothing can separate us from God's love. And here's what I want to say right now. I want to bring it all to a close right here. I want to bring it all to a close. I want us to just have one big bottom line for our whole series here. Life disappoints, you ready? But heaven, but good, but Jesus, but love. You see how that all works together? Can we say it one more time together? Life disappoints, but heaven, but good, but Jesus, but love. That's the whole series brought down into one simple phrase. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know today that God loves you so much. God loves you so incredibly much. And Jesus did get on a cross, and he is alive, and he did rise back from the dead to save you and me. And i love right now for you to put your trust in Jesus if that's what you'd like to do. But I want to encourage you guys today. The reality that we're clinging to for this whole series is life disappoints. Life disappoints, it's true, but heaven, but good, but Jesus but love. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you're with us, that you love us, that you have us, that God, there's nothing that can separate us from your love. And we understand how difficult life is. We understand that right now is a very challenging time, but God, we thank you so much that you're for us and that nothing can separate us from your love. I pray today you'll encourage our hearts. I pray today you will fill us with the truth of who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just think this through a little bit? Would you think this through a little bit? Would you just maybe think it through with God, right? Would you maybe take a minute and just say, God, I got to work through some stuff here because I'm disappointed and I got some hardship and I got some trouble and I'm, I'm going through some stuff here, Lord, but I need you today. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him. You can maybe just think about taking a step toward Jesus. He loves you so much. I believe he sent us today to tell you. He sent our team here today to tell you how loved you are. And so if you want to put your trust in Jesus and say, you know, yes, I'm in. I want this. I want to know him. I want to be so close to him. I want to live life with him. Then I encourage you to pray with me right now just something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. 
Thank you so much for forgiving me. Thank you so much for loving me. Thank you, God, that today you have shown me that what matters is the death and resurrection. That that makes me a, a hyper-conqueror, a more-than-conqueror for all the stuff life throws at me. And Jesus, I just pray you'll show me how real you are. Thank you for all you've done. In your name I pray.